Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Red Army podcast. As we look back on an Interpro defeat that we lost, but maybe we won. <laughs> we will also have some preview chat ahead of Glasgow's trip to Cork or I don't know, Boo Boys trip to Cork, I suppose we could call them at this stage. We've got some news, some big news, plenty of jibes at the opposition and everything in between. I'm back from my brief hiatus, slightly recovered. And Patricia is back once again to join me. Patricia, it was a um it was an enjoyable weekend of rugby. And that's not just all about the Monster match. How did you find the the game against against Leinster, but the other games as well? Um, I thought it was a really good weekend of games. Actually, I something I really like about like obviously we're gonna we're gonna talk about um Leinster Munster. I was gonna say Munster Leinster, but that's not until Stephen say we're gonna talk about Leinster Munster. But um I thought like across the board you had a couple of those kind of games that you just love to see from a league. You had, you know, um Cardiff Blues beat the Stormers. And like that's I know that um the Stormers are not reigning champions anymore. Um they were obviously the the season before's champions, but like last season's finalists and the champions from the season before to see a team like Cardiff turn them over, like that's sort of those are the games you want to see from the league. And there was um and it's it's slipped my mind now, but there was another good win last weekend as well, wasn't there? there um, the Bulls Benetton, Benetton. The Bulls beat oh, Connacht yeah. and Benetton beat Edinburgh away which yeah. I thought was a really great a really great result for them as well and a really good game as well like obviously you want those sort of shock wins maybe not so much for Benetton because that's you know Benetton are having a great start to the season but like you want those those wins to come with really good games as well and I thought that Benetton Edinburgh game was brilliant but obviously the main event of the weekend was Leinster Munster because it's sort of regardless of how wide the gap has been maybe in the last few years, it's still one of those fixtures that whenever anyone sees it on the calendar, they kind of go, oh, look, Leinster playing Munster this weekend. Yeah. If I had a euro for every time someone said main event in a, in association with Munster on a podcast I was on this week, I'd have two euro. And that's <laughs> that means I'm sowing the right seeds in in different areas. Of course, yourself, it's it's well sold into you at this stage no more than no more than me main event Leinster never heard of it never heard of it <laughs> it was Look, if, if that team weren't the main event would they have Mike McCarthy and a lion doing a Viking clap before their games I don't think they would yeah well like everything else with Mike McCarthy it's well out of date at this stage the Viking clap <laughs> was seven years ago guys Do you know it's it's peak dad humor at this at this rate I've got we've got plenty of Leinster fans Potential, I don't know, potentially Penlentia Leinster fans who listen. If they do, I'm sure you're all sound, but... I hope no. they're not listening, actually, to be honest. If there's any <laughs> Leinster supporters listening, if there's any Leinster supporters listening, why are you listening? Nobody wants you here. Go home. I think it's called Rage Listen. Is that what they call go, it these days? Go to, go to Avoca and then go home. Like, nobody <laughs> wants you here. It's going to be really hard to get someone on for the Stevens' day game if they are <laughs> listening. <laughs> It was Munster Leinster in Lansdowne Road. There was a Viking clap. There was a send off to Jonathan Sexton, which I sincerely hope our, our guest last week did not boo him. But we'll wait and see. Um, listen, we we all enjoy a bit of a uh, a bit of shit housing. Twenty one sixteen defeat, as we know. Craig Casey's try in the first half was the stuff of dreams. Yeah, I would like to only talk about that try for an hour, but. <laughs> 
I don't know if we can get an hour out. Three quarters of an hour, maybe, and then touch on the rest after I that. Mean, I mean, I, I could definitely get an hour out, but I don't know about you. Like, but, Let's um, get cracking then. <laughs> so I the, was, first, the first pass. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the game at home um, and my mom was actually asleep in the room while I was watching it. And um, I, I really got a taste into like what people with babies must have to be like when they watch games because like they, they scored that try and I wasn't able to make any noise because she was asleep. But I was like, but it's the best try ever. And, you know, Simon Zebo was running like we haven't seen this in several years now. And it was just, you know, it was really hard to keep quiet and obviously got up to, to 10 nil. And then from there on, like, didn't end up winning the game. But it might sound like a cop out, but I do think that this game from a Munster point of view is what Munster have left with from Dublin is way more valuable than a few more match points. Yeah, completely agree. Completely. Like, it was the a fact Jackman that, who made that point as well this the week. Fact, said, yeah, yeah, the what? fact that Munster can like, the fact that Leinster have to go through the rest of their season now with the knowledge that they can go as full strength as possible, which they did, you know, the last time when Munster beat Leinster in the semi-final, it was all this about, oh, you know, Leinster saved all their players for La Rochelle. Well, they didn't win that one either, but, you know, Leinster saved all their players for La Rochelle. And even though, you know, Josh van der Fleer was playing that game and Robbie Henshaw was playing that game and players like that. And, but Leinster went as full bores as humanly possible. It was basically Munster versus Ireland in that match. And like, Leinster now have to go through the rest of their season, including a trip to Thoman Park, knowing that Munster can bring a rotated selection to their home stadium and give them a serious rattle and arguably leave thinking that's a game that got away. And I think that that's so much more valuable for for Munster than... Like, look, obviously you want your team to win and Munster had chances to win that game and arguably should have won that game and they made mistakes that had they not made them, the result could have been different. But I just think that, you know, Munster have lost this fixture plenty of years in the past, but haven't left with anything near as valuable as a losing bonus point. And the sort of, not only the belief that their team will get from that, because obviously it's it was a huge, it was a huge game and it's a result arguably that went begging for them. But like Leinster have to sort of, live with that result now going forward and this game has never really been not for a long time this game hasn't been one that has sort of stayed with them and I think that this one will No I 100% agree and as I was going to say like I think it was Bernard Jackman who went to point that Munster would learn more from this game because as much as Anthony like they played Thomas Ahern at 6 because they'd know Peter O'Mahony for instance they had Jack Crowley just bossing things at 10 and we'll get into the the star players in a minute, but like the one point that I I haven't seen made is that my sense leaving the fixture was okay, four to one I think is fair. If it went if either team won it, provided there was no bonus points, no tried as bonus points, I'd have been happy. I feel like mm. that was that would have been the fair result. Um well they could say draw, but draws are boring enough. We've already <laughs> had one this year. That's enough. But I did get the sense that like all the talk about all oh, Leinster's cohesion, I, I feel like Leinster's mistakes were just more obvious. They were just things like missed tackles that shouldn't be missed, basic handling errors, whereas Munster's were execution. And it's probably something we get into, especially if it lingers longer, that Munster aren't taking every chance that they have available. 
you think of after Conor Murray's break down the sideline, which was vintage can I, Conor can Murray. I, say, I won't lie. Can I say something about that break? Right, you can. I I love Conor Murray. I'm a big fan of Conor Murray, and I always have been. And I'm a big fan of later career Conor Murray as well, where a lot of people um aren't anymore. But Conor Murray has never been. He's never been lightning, right? He's never been the quickest, you know, flat out pace wise. And that's fine. Like it was always a, you know, a strength of his game, I suppose. Um, And he made that break. And um, I assumed that it was, I don't know who I assumed it was that that slid up, that couldn't catch up to him. I thought it was, you know, like McCarthy or someone like that. Like I thought it was a tight five forward anyway. And my brother texted me who is, he's in college in Limerick and he didn't come home at the weekend. So he was watching down in Limerick. And he texted me and he was like, if if Conor Murray just got away from Henshaw, how fucking slow is Henshaw? And I was like, it was the funniest thing to me that it was Robbie Henshaw that couldn't catch him. Because look, and I and I say it as somebody who loves Conor Murray, I want to stress that point. I'm not having a dig at Conor Murray. But if you're not catching Conor Murray, I think you need to take a look at yourself. That's all. Yeah, there is an element of he was fresh onto the field, but he certainly left. But what a break, great break. And and I really thought, oh my God, is this the fucking moment? Like, I the, 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 this fixture's never had the moment. And I thought, oh my God, like this is actually going to happen like this. And obviously it didn't and that's fine. But I was, oh, I really thought it might it might actually be about to happen. Oh, same. Like I, I thought that was it, and the fact that that's how they went and done it last time by having those breaks laid on that you don't expect, it, it gets into your head. When Conor Murray makes that break, you're thinking, "Oh, this is another, you know, Antoine Frisch or John Hodnett making a, a half break down the sideline in the semi final." And you're like, it's just, it's the wonder of being a sports fan in moments like that. And when you see Hugo Keenan struggling to make a tackle you really think this is it and obviously it wasn't but again if you want to look at positives look at how Conor Murray came on the field and bossed it again at the end I think I don't know if it was yourself or Eric I think could have been yourself that met it last week the point that he's probably the best scrum half we have to lay down a game plan at the start of a game but also to see it out at the end of the game yeah you want you almost want two of them like you yeah I, I think that I think it was me that said that last week but I do think that and I'm I'm conscious that I don't want it to sound like sour grapes, right? Because I don't really give enough of a fuck about Leinster to be sour about the game, like not anymore. Um, things really did sort of change in that in that regard last season, and Leinster are no longer a team that Munster have to constantly sort of compare themselves to and put everything in perspective with and things like that. But I do think that while Munster yes made mistakes of course they did and but I thought I thought I mean I thought that there were parts of the game that were massively improved as well but there were mistakes and there were chances that Munster let go but Munster were making chances whereas you know two of Leinster's tries came directly from Munster mistakes and I just don't really think that Leinster are playing that well and Again, like yes, they won this. They won this game, and and you know, on the balance of on the balance of it, they probably deserved to. But if Ty if Ty Byrne doesn't ha- turn his brain off for one second, Leinster don't win that game. And those are the margins now. Whereas before, those margins were so much bigger, 
And like this was a, a slightly rotated experimental, I suppose, monster team. And I just think that, you know, Leinster can take their win. But the gap is so, so, so small now between these two teams, like practically non-existent. And yeah, I do think that that Munster probably are Munster are probably the better team right now. I know that sounds like kind of hopium, but I I do think that things are starting to click into gear for this Munster team in a way that I'm not sure that they are for Leinster. But uh, but we're not a Le- we're not here to talk about Leinster really. So yeah, it's funny because I was gonna make a hopium point that came to me um kind of yesterday or whenever. You know, you know when you're sitting down, nothing else to do, you think about Munster, because that's what we all do. <laughs> I sit I was... down when I do have other things to do and think <laughs> about Munster. My employers may be listening. I can't I can't be saying that. But it was definitely at work I had this thought. But I do get the sense after a game like that, like if and there's a lot of ifs, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of ifs in every eventuality when you look forward. But I look at that monster performance, like Thomas O'Hearn slotting in at six and doing really well. That was John Clayne's first game back. John Hodnett played well, Casey Crowley, um, Conor Murray and Tony Butler all did well. It should probably be said Butler was was solid off the bench as well. No Nankavell, no Dogbo, no Jorge Stamen, as we know. I, I can't help but shake the feeling that when you look at Leinster, slow start to the season, new coach coming in now, so they're only going to start betting new things in if they are now, which is the end of November. You have Toulouse who lost at, who are losing Antoine Dupont towards the end of the season at some stage. Are you, you about know. to build up to saying that you think once they're going to win the Heineken Cup? Because I said that at the start no, of the season and I'm he kind of laughed at my face. So <laughs> you, you did predict a double, so like, listen. When Munster do win the far. Heineken Cup, I'm going to laugh in your face, but that's fine. <laughs> but I, was, I just feel like Larishelle have made a slow start. Larishelle are shit at the moment. No, I'm not. I'm not going to say that. Roger swear at me from the touchline. But there's a sense in my head that Europe is so wide open this year, and I don't believe it's the best competition anymore. I don't think it's it's close to its past glories. But like, if Munster can produce a cohesive run of form and get their attack firing, like they've just taken on a mini Ireland team and ran them close without Peter O'Mahony. Like how, what how often have we said... What we're saying here is Munster are the best team in the world. That may Munster be one of my blue sky um, comments so far. Yeah. competitions this season. And it's basic maths. It, like I UFC mean, is the best league, so Munster have to be the best team in the world. It's, it's maths. Like, I will <laughs> literally put... I don't know how to bet. This is like a thing. I'm not I'm not good at betting. I don't know how to do it. But I would put, you know, I will wager on this. Like I just they are the it's it's actually just factual accuracy that there is nobody better than them. Yes, Leinster won this game. Good for them. Whoop de fucking do. Like there is nobody better than Munster. And I think with this fixture, um, it's never been sort of as clear cut as it came down to, you know, sort of that one pass from Tideburn, one of those Gavin Coombs knock-ons going to hand, you know, one of O'Mahony or Dogbo or Jack O'Donoghue, you know, being in that team. And that that result, even if in the past it has looked like the result has been that close, it never really has been. And this time it really, truly was. Um, And like I say, the fact that 
Munster really went and fucking put the shit up Leinster like that that is more valuable than you know obviously that and a win is the most valuable that's like the the best case scenario but there there are sort of contexts you can put on a loss and a narrow loss that make it more valuable than Munster just lost this game and I do think I do genuinely think that this is one of those um, especially with the fact that because it's a World Cup season, this game was at the end of November instead of, you know, sort of, it's usually like the second week of October. So Stephen's Day is close, like it's around the corner and Leinster sort of have to reckon with the fact that they have to play, even if it's a rotated out again Munster team in Thoman Park, they have to play them in Thoman Park, in a Thoman Park that's going to be packed, much more packed than it was last year probably more packed than it's been for a good while and you know they have to go to Limerick and be like this is the team that just seriously rattled us just a few weeks ago and we have to play them again now on their turf so yeah yeah, I thought from that point of view like there were things that were better um there were things that obviously still need to be improved on but I thought like sort of it felt like a valuable game yeah and I I think there's hallmarks of this game that that just reminds me of going away to Toulouse last year where we needed to get at least a point. We had to get something to kind of avoid yeah. a heavy hitter. And we went there and we outplayed Toulouse. And there was issues and there was still a squad that wasn't fully settled. And we had injuries. I think Mike Haley went off after like 20 minutes. We had to reshuffle the back line. But this game had those hallmarks. And sometimes it is, when you're a team like Munster, this isn't being disrespectful in any ways sometimes it is about how do we measure ourselves against the best? And if you're constantly going up on the ladder in that measurement, then you're going places. Like we can beat the Stormers. not the best anymore. Yeah. Like, and we can beat the Stormers every time for the next 20 years and it'll be great. But if we can prove, yeah, we were, we didn't beat Leinster as a fluke. We can take Toulouse if we play them again, especially at home. Um, La Rochelle, as we said, you reckon they're shite. I reckon they've, gone backwards it's no the- no 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 what let, <laughs> let's let's just you know fucking reverse and clarify for a second because <laughs> i'm not saying if munster played larishelle in the morning they'd beat them although i do actually think that but i, I would i'd love to see munster play larishelle i do really think that um munster are very would be a very interesting matchup for larishelle like this monster that we have at the moment um i do think that would be a really interesting game and i'm looking forward to seeing it in the heineken cup final in uh May or June or whenever it is, but um, I've never felt more sort of overall positive about an away loss against Leinster. Like I said last week, this is my least favourite fixture in Munster's calendar. I hate when it gets to the time of year that it's the regular season game against Leinster in the Aviva. But um, this one I'm kind of, you know, almost entirely positive about, like, the line-out worked so much better than it has done in that it actually worked, which was excellent. Instant improvement. You know, th- throw it to the six-foot-nine guy and you'll you'll probably win the line-out. Un- unbelievable. Leinster, but- Leinster made a career out of that with Devin Toner. Like, just throw it to the big guy and hope <laughs> for the best. Thomas Hearn could be that big guy going alongside two other big guys as well. I thought Thomas Hearn was so good. I love guys who don't look like they should be able to do what they're doing 
it's the reason why Ben Tammy Foon is one of my favorite rugby players because every time he does something, I'm like, you don't even like physically, it, like just in terms of, it just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And when you see Tom O'Hearn sort of run the way he runs and move the way he moves, you're like, you're too big for this. It doesn't make any sense that you're doing that. And yet he just keeps doing it. And I think he was, I thought he was really, really excellent. I thought that whole back row actually as a as a trio worked really well. I really liked that that three playing together. And I think that with, you know, Byrne didn't have his best game maybe. And, you know, obviously Sean Klain was just coming back from the World Cup. Like that pack, you know, you put Ollie Jaeger into that exact pack. And I think that that could be a big game winning pack. And that's without, you know, Omani, Adogbo, uh, Alex Kandelin. Like it, it's it's insane the sort of, the pack that Munster could have come, you know, crunch time, I suppose. And the important thing is keeping everyone fit and, on the trajectory they're going because like he, you made the point there Tyburn wasn't at its best he wasn't but like Tyburn is just not going to have an off season where he doesn't have at least one standout game he refuses to have that in his career he will have at oh, least he's fucking Tyburn like yeah like he's I said it before I think he's Ireland's best second row like I don't think that's a controversial statement um, oh, he's, one of the, he's probably like he's one of the best second rows in the world yeah he's a very different kind of second row to the second rows that people traditionally say are the best second rows in the world. Like he's not an Etzebeth, he's not a Retallic, he's he is a different thing. But yeah, he's one of the best players like of our generation. And I don't even I don't think that that's hyperbole to say that. Like there there are not many, if any, players who can do the things that Tygburn can do. And there's no, you know, there's no way he's just not going to do that this season. It doesn't work like that with Tygburn. And it's time for the obligatory. Did you know that he played for a, a junior team in Wales and they had to sell pizzas when he was in the academy at Leinster? Had to get that off my chest. The, those are the rules. You mentioned Thomas Ahern. We always talk about players who stood out and some weeks are definitely easier than others um, because, quite frankly, some games are just hard to watch and hard <laughs> to play well in. This wasn't one of them. Ahern was one. I have Crowley, Zebo, John Hodnett. Who do you want to take out of that before we touch on other players? Well, obviously, I want to take John Hodnett, like forever. I'll let you have John Hodnett. Um... I'll, I'll take the two Cork boys, so I'll stand up for the people of Cork. <laughs> uh, well, John Hodnett's also a Cork boy, in fairness. Oh, yeah, sorry. That, that's, um, that's re- I may need to edit that out. That is, <laughs> I could get killed for that. I do, I do genuinely think that, um, I thought Hodnett was great. He, I thought he was quiet against Ulster and the Stormers um is it Ulster and the Stormers I'm so bad at remembering what order the games happened in yeah Um, first yeah and then the Stormers yeah I thought he was quiet against the Stormers especially um but I thought that he was much more John Hodnity um in this game I thought that every time he ran into Van der Fleer he got the better of him and I really like that, um, you know, he just continues to show him who the who the actual best red scrum cap wearing number seven is in Ireland. Like it's kind of undisputable at this point. I do think that um, there was one rook where he sort of um, he had like steamrolled Van der Fleer a little bit, 
And then Van der Fleer went to roll away and Hodnett pulled him back into the rock and was just like kind of holding him there by the collar. And Van der yeah. Fleer was like a fucking turtle on his back. It was great. That That's um, my favorite line from that. That someone, it may have even been you as well, who described it. He looked like a turtle who couldn't roll over because he was just waiting to get the penalty. That Chris Busby was like, no, I'm not giving you that. Like you're not even attached to the rock. <laughs> um, I do, I do. I did think he was, he was really good. I don't know if it was like, the work that Ahern and Coombs were doing, I don't know if it just freed him up a little bit more. Um, whatever the balance of that back row was, to me, it looked really, really good. I thought that they were three really good um, sort of individual performances, even though Coombs probably on, like, from a sort of, I guess from an attacking point of view, like a little bit lower uh, on that, like from a, from, you know, holding him to Gavin Coombe's standards um, in terms of like the knock-ons, et cetera. But I don't know if it was just that the three of them happened to have really good games all at the same time or if it was that back row as a whole, like as a trio. But I really, really liked the look of all three of them separately together, you know, united, everything. Like I just, I thought that they were, they were all excellent. Maybe it's the power of friendship, you know, having a Hearn and Hodnett playing on the flanks at the same time. We've never seen it before, but, you know, personally, I know that I feel like I can do anything when I'm with my bestie. And, you know, that was John Hodnett and Tom Ahern. We know we know the love that they have for each other. They've made no secret of it. And maybe they just felt closer than ever. And it really spurred them both on. And I love to see it personally. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Like he's... It's such a bromance between the two of them that maybe that is just what got them to this incredibly high standard. Forget about the fact that Thomas Ahern's been training to kind of maybe become that number six role. No, no. It's the fact that John Hodder was on the field when he did it. And the fact that he doesn't even say a lot, but I'm sure he just looked over at one stage and just, you know, you got this. I know you got you this, know, you know. Playing, like you had me playing. when I was wheeled in Holman Park. <laughs> you're playing with pride and you're not just playing with pride in yourself and your jersey and your club, you're playing with pride in your best friend. And I do think that that's really powerful. You know, like the kind of, they're like the Magic Mike XXL of Munster Rugby in that, you know, they're just a really healthy and, and strong and beautiful display of male friendship. And I just think that that's, that's really lovely. And I thought that it really powered both of their performances at the weekend. I'm not putting Magic Mike XXL in the title of this podcast, that's for sure. Have you seen um, Magic Mike XXL? No. Then you can't you 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 have no no ground to stand up. Yeah, but people who listen may not have seen it, but maybe jump into the wrong conclusions if I put it in the title. Okay, so here's what we take from this: Monster are the best rugby team. Magic Mike XXL should be watched by everybody because people make assumptions on Magic Mike films based on what they think they're going into watch, and none of the three Magic Mike films are what they think they're going into watch. The three really great films, and I thought John Hadnett was very good at the weekend. That is a lot to take in, but I'll um I'll settle on the John Hodnett was very good part at the very least. <laughs> um, I have Jack Crowley down and Simon Zero down as well. I thought Crowley, I mean, every time there's questions asked to Jack Crowley, he just shows up. And I actually thought he was so, so good at the weekend. I think someone made the point on one of the podcasts that he was probably very close to being man of the match and he was man of the match of Monster One. It was you know, one of those one of those things I think he was like yeah. the fact that, like how he takes the ball to the line, his array of passing, his his kicking was really good again. Um 
I said last week about to... Jack Crowley that he plays like a player who has, you know, five more years of career under his belt than he does. Yeah. And I and I stand by that. Like he just has such such an experienced way of He's playing. He's so the composed is such a is such a good word for it. And like he is just it was a shame like that he didn't get to play against Byrne for, you know, the full match or close to it. I think that would have been very telling. But um because I thought the Frawley actually played very well. Um, you know, when they let him play ten, they sort of begrudgingly let him play ten. I thought he was really good, but um, I just think that Crowley is is a step above. Sort of not in he doesn't play particularly like Sexton, but but in a way that we haven't seen since Sexton was that age. If that makes sense, yeah. in terms of like how young he actually is, but how sort of experienced he plays. Um. I think he's remarkable and I think every week he is just getting more and more remarkable, really. Yeah. And he's courageous in, in every sense. Like I know it, it didn't show the last day because I, I can't think of a moment where it would have applied, but you look at his kicks to touch, he always gets every last cent out of it. You look at his carries into contact, he he doesn't shy away from the physicality. He no. won a jackal turnover. There was people saying there was a podcast saying last week, and I'm not going to say which one. I know which one it is. I found out since someone sent it on to me that Jack Crowley should not be in rocks. Well, I'm sorry. If you've got someone who can actually win a Jackal turnover, I don't care if he's five foot two or six foot two or seven foot two, get him in there because it worked. And he won a Jackal turnover on Leinster and he made a tackle like two phases before that as well. Like he's not afraid of it. And I haven't been just by nature of kind of when he played his games last year and that I haven't been to too many of his starts at 10, but I was at the Stormers game last week and I do get that sense of unbelievable composure, always scanning the field, always looking to see what's on. I thought he managed that game brilliantly because you, like, you were there as well. It was a horrible evening. You could barely look upwards because the rain would get into your eyes. Um, and that's in the East Terrace, which is a wonderful terrace. But I thought he was so good. And then just the other side of it on a dry night in Dublin against this very good Leinster defense. I think it's, I think we have to say they do, they do defend very well. He picked them apart at times. He unlocked them like Alvin Nash could very easily have scored a brilliant try as well as Mm. probably being a key instigator in, in the try that was scored and other different moments. And then the man that they probably got most applauded for the try that was scored with Simon Zebo. Like first game back, first game of the season. I think he played a preseason game. Um, I'm not 100 sure, but basically first game back of the season, and he looked so good. Incredibly like, funny, incredibly funny that he um <laughs> that he made that break for that try because I was like, oh my guy, what are you doing? Like he's basically <laughs> just pretending to be a rugby player at this point. But like he, he just wants the tracksuit. Whoever it was, who was, tracking? but it was it was a great break and um. Obviously, then he gave the pass, etc. Like, I didn't think that he had, you know, like an incredible world-inspiring performance, like overall or anything like that. Um, and I think he's injured again at the moment. Um, yeah, in the aftermath of that game, which is fair, like he's literally elderly. But, um, yeah, I thought it was it was nice to see that that a player like Simon Zebo, I guess, like still has that in him, especially with the the sort of situation I will say that Munster have found themselves in in terms of back three players so yeah and especially when as well like it's easy to forget people say oh Simon Zebo coming home hasn't worked but like we always took this risk that he was 
that bit older when he came home, but like he was top try scorer two seasons ago. He provided the unbelievable two moments of the try against the Sharks after COVID and setting up the try for Dale Ende in the European round of 64 or whatever it was in Europe that year. Um, and last year he was obviously hit by injuries and then to come back and have this performance. I Defensively, he didn't get asked too many questions, had a couple of good catches in the air. But in attack, he always showed that I mean, like he's a, he's a part-time pundit who just did very well against a Leinster side who was half Ireland, who was the number two ranked international team in the world. Just you know, saying. Night, nightmare missed tackle for the Larmer try, mind. But like, yeah, well, I think if if he wasn't injured before that, I think he probably gets across. And to be fair, Shane Daly makes that t- tackle 999 times out of a thousand. He doesn't miss a lot of tackles. <laughs> no, but I just... Yeah, it, it it always has to be Jordan Larmer, and it just it look. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, annoy me. I'm gonna prefer not to speak on on Jordan Larmer and scoring tries against Munster because otherwise I'll start talking about how he only has his Ireland career because of that one try that he scored in fucking 2017 or whenever it was, and he's literally been riding that try for the last seven years. But anyway, that's none of my business. Plenty of players have gotten international caps off of less. I think is, we can also <laughs> say that as well. Plenty of Leinster players. Dead. Conduct 2016 comes to mind as well. But <laughs> um, is there anyone else you want to mention before we before we move on to to Glasgow? No, I think obviously we had um, Stephen Archer becoming Munster's um, most ever capped player. Which, like, look. Did he get his head shoved up his hole? Yes, he did. But you don't get 269 appearances by accident. Um, and it's still a hell of an achievement, even if the last few weeks haven't been the best of his career. Um, you know, that late season run last season was like literally nothing short of miraculous. Like literally something that if you wrote that for a film script, they'd be like, no, that's not real. That's not realistic enough. No audience will buy that. Um, I really enjoyed one of the first scrums in the game. It was like there had been a couple of scrums already. Um, and they set up for another one. And um Archer and Porter went down as as they were doing. And the ref sort of brought them both back up and went to Archer, look, you need to get your feet, you know, further in underneath your stomach or whatever it is. Um, because he was basically like, Look, you're just the right, you're just stood the wrong way. Um, and then he was like to Porter, but you're just kind of bad at this. Like he was like, he was like, he was telling Archer like what to do to him to sort of what he was doing wrong. And then he was like to Porter, you're just not scrummaging properly. And, you know, not that's that's not for me to comment on, but obviously huge for, for Stephen Archer. Like being your your team's most capped player in history is incredible. And like what, you know, what a moment that must be like. I think we need to get scrum expert slash kids underage referee Eric Fitz back on to tell us why certain scrummaging was good and certain scrummaging was bad. Would it be fair? And maybe plugging the national broadcaster isn't exactly the most um, outrageous of things to do. Maybe it is. But JP Cooney was on the RT pod today and talked about scrummaging. And to be fair, there is not enough scrummaging talk in the national media by people who actually know what a scrum is. So I do mm. recommend people check that out. He did talk about like, you know, Archer kind of had Porter where he wanted him, but just sometimes like Porter is one of the best props in the world. And sometimes he got the better, but 
in the grand scheme of things, it I was thought Monster Scrum was fine. Like it, yeah, was, it was fine. Yeah. That's it wasn't more than that, but it was fine. But I just like Archer is kind of like he's aging out. Like he's thirty eight years old. Like, you know, it's perfectly understandable. Um, but what an achievement still to be. You know, two hundred sixty nine caps at the start of a season where like you know he's not going to not play again this season. So that number is only going to go up and you have to think it's going to be a hell of a long time before we see anybody get anywhere near that. Yeah. And we did mention there might be a new kid on the block this week. The fact that they said we don't know if he's available gives me doubts, but we'll get into it now. That is Ollie. Yeah. Is it Jaeger or Jaeger? This, this I've been saying he... Jaeger, like, like Jaeger bombs. Like Jaeger bombs. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking as well. But I just don't trust the Kiwi pronunciation of, of basically anything, to be honest. I'd say Ollie Jaeger. I'm going to say Jaeger until I hear him say it. And if he says it differently, then I will obviously then update myself. Do you think the broadcasters are going to go full like South African or Australian on us and actually help us out here? Not a chance. No. <laughs> he was. They actually... can't even say the names of the Irish players. Never mind, you know, somebody. I know Ollie Jaeger is also Irish, but like they can't even say Edwin Adogbo. They're not going to, you know, go all out for Ollie Jaeger. But they can say Mark now, now Kanichawase. So, you can know. They? That's the question. And then, oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Fair so Ollie Eager, Ollie Eager might play this weekend, but also might not. Yeah. That that's Bunster in in a nutshell. <laughs> Two lads who, sorry, four lads who won't be playing: Peter Mahoney and Jack O'Donoghue. They got injured in that Stormers game. Um, they're both short term. Both short term. I don't know what how Jack O'Donoghue is a short term miracle. Yeah, like I seen when Jack O'Donoghue go seen, down. When have you ever seen a monster injury? Be not as bad as it looked. I have two right here um, that are on the other side, as you were saying. Orke Snaman, he's home for South mm-hmm. Africa. He'll rehab here. Jack Daly, and my heart bleeds to the lap. He's going for surgery. He's going to have to, he got injured in training, so he's going to have to rehab that. And he's in a contract here. Like a lad who mm. we've barely seen. When we have seen him, he's looked good. And another injury is rough. Obviously, we hope yeah. that himself, Snaman, Pete and Jack all get back ahead of schedule um Pete and Jack I hear maybe Christmas time for Peter Mahoney I'm not sure originally it was Six Nations time so if they're saying it's ahead of schedule you're probably thinking Christmas there thereabouts maybe the too long game I heard whispers about Bayon but that's yeah. literally like next week so that's 10 days away <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't see that and as well like what even is a Bayon they're a poor man's beerits if I was oh. Peter O'Mahony, I'd be like, look, I am fit, but I'm literally just not going to play because it's Bayon. Throw up. Like, I would well, play, play against the real teams. His garden needs to be touched upon. It's heading into Christmas time. <laughs> He's stuff to do. Fr- it's getting frosty. Like, he needs to deal with that. It is. It is getting frosty. But this isn't This isn't the weather hour. The weather hour is coming <laughs> later on, guys. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. Um, there is contract extension. I'll take two of them. I'll let you take the other one because I feel like that's... Oh, all. I don't get to do all the contract extensions, do I not? I'll take one, so because I wanted to say this. Rugby World Cup champion John Klain is staying on with Munster for another two years. And if you haven't heard that right, Rugby World Cup champion second row John Klain is staying at Munster. There's no such thing. He's definitely good enough for international level at this stage. That's been proven. He's an absolutely key voice in the dressing room. That's all been proven now. He is staying at Munster. He's staying at his lovely house in Castle Troy or so I've been reliably told it's a lovely house and that makes us happy. Patricia, 
there's no better person to bring through the other bit of contract news. So take it away. I mean, you know, just to reiterate what you said, the guy won the World Cup. Like that's did he? That's well, I, I didn't catch that. My line went. So what did he win? <laughs> the 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 World Cup, like the actual World Cup. Um, John Clayne actually kind of won that there a few weeks ago. Um, with South Africa and yeah, like I mean. I'm not going to sort of try and recreate the noise I made when I was on a work call. And um, it was a work call that was important enough that I had to have my camera and microphone on, but not so important that I couldn't, you know, sort of sneakily look at my phone underneath the laptop. And um, I did see the the contract extension tweet and I did make a noise and my microphone was on. Um, and that's just <laughs> one of those things like, you know, they know me well enough that they're sort of, I, I could explain that away. I said it wasn't me. I don't think they believed me. There was there was nobody else there. Like it was we all, everyone knows it was you. It just had to I be. could have just held up my phone and said, Look guys, John Clayton signed two year contract extension. I mean, like what what a signing. Like if 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 we were announcing John Clayton now as a new signing, you'd go, What a signing. Um yeah. but the fact that, you know, we've Munster beaten out sort of big offers from big teams, including South African teams. Um, is huge and like John Clayne is a Munster player I don't care that he didn't you know start his career at Munster as far as I'm concerned he did like that is a Munster player he was only and... 22 when he came here like yeah like he was uh, my age I he's... can't comprehend that <laughs> he's been here you know for he is a Munster player and to have him for another two years is is super special Um, especially seeing as he did win a World Cup um, we also have the news of course that the other World Cup winner in Munster squad Orgy's name and won't be playing at Munster next season which is sort of to be expected I guess um, it's still a shame like Orgy's one of those players who like obviously if you're sort of cold and clinical about it is not a signing that has worked out I suppose in terms of um, money to minutes etc but he's also a player who has gone through a huge amount to get back playing and did that at Munster and for Munster and, you know, came back and played a huge part in a very, very special URC winning run. And that can't be sort of like forgotten either. Um, but I think that it's it's fair enough. I don't think anybody will be too sort of, critical of the decision to let him go and play elsewhere um we've got Liam Coombs signing a one-year contract extension which I think is good really good business actually like really kind of smart I know we haven't seen a lot of Liam Coombs lately but like I said earlier you know like Haley is injured long term we've had Earls and Conway retire this season already um Zebo's not getting any younger like it it's it's smart to retain a player like Liam Coombs even just from a from a squad depth point of view he's a power winger as well they don't Mm. grow on trees and like you know we do have a a a world cup winner who was announcing a a contract extension but the actual most important contract news that came in that in that announcement is the two-year contract extension for for john hodnett um you know john hodnett is just great he's an incredible player and um I'm actually reading here. He uh, he actually played for the Emerging Ireland last year. 
Never, which is never crazy. Like what? Them, what, a, what an honor for John Hodnett. Um <laughs> He scored three tries in twenty appearances last season, including the match-winning score against Stormers in the URC final. I remember it well. And gave us the iconic moment. Who cares about scoring the <laughs> score and the try? Who cares about getting the match? It's the fact that two words into his post-game interview, he goes. Yeah, sure, fuck it. And Peter O'Mahony cannot keep serious on live television. And you know what? He was right. It Fuck it, it was some win in fairness. Um, the amount of people who sort of sent me messages and texted me after he scored that try, as if A, I know the guy, and B, I didn't know that he had scored, like as if I wasn't literally in South Africa watching him score that try. Um, but I, like I say, Hadnett is... Hodnett's still such a young player, really. Like he's still sort of a he's breakthrough player age, even though he broke through sort of it feels like you know two three seasons ago now. But um, I think he's just I think he's actually getting better. I thought he was he had an incredible season last season. Like he was one of the players of the season. Um, and that's like you know that says a lot because there were a lot of really standout players for Munster last season. But I do think that he was right up there. Um, and he looks primed to sort of push on in that regard um so I think that he's one of those players who when he sort of as he keeps playing I think he's someone that you would want in your team like he's he's so good he's just actually so good um so signing him up for two more years is obviously again great business for Munster and that was just a really welcome surprise to just see a a nice you know contract extension tweet and not have it be that you know one of your favourite players is retired or somebody's injured for a really long time or, you know, Jack Nienaber's accidentally showed up here instead of Dublin. What do we do with him? And like, it's, yeah, it was really nice to see that. And um, I think I managed to save my job. But if I lose my job because I was being unprofessional, it's kind of worth it for John Clay and John Hodman signing two-year contract extensions. I I have a bit of a a question I have to ask. Is it true that John Hodman is your guy? John Hodnett is my guy. John Klein, also my guy. Um, Ollie Yeager is new, but I am growing quite fond of him. He might be my guy in, in time. We'll see. I really like that he has a really expressive face. Um, that's one of the things I also enjoy about John Hodnett. I like people who can tell a story without opening their mouths. And Ollie Yeager, to me, seems like that kind of person already. Um, I don't know anything about the guy, but I like that he has an expressive face. He kind of looks like a... Um, like an animation who got brought into the real world and they had to make him look real worldly and yeah I kind of respect that yeah we'd be last if we put up a picture of Ollie Yeager and ask people to give what they think he does for a living <laughs> kind of descriptions but we had some brilliant ones about like this lad sells turf in the back of his van this lad you see in the in the arsehole in nowhere um, cycling I think was one of them he, he kind of he has that face and we're he going looks to like that guy that. He looks like that guy in the village who just knows everything. Like yeah. that sort of village sage. Like my granddad is that for our village. But like a- anyone who ever lived in any house and sort of any tractor, like he he will know like by the sound of the tractor going up the road whose tractor it is. Things like that. And I and I, I am growing fond of him. I haven't seen him play yet for Munster. I've seen him play for the Crusaders, like, but I haven't seen him play yet for Munster. Don't know how. He's, we don't know how he's training. We don't know how he's going to fit in with, with the squad, sort of even like personality-wise, never mind on the pitch. Um, but I am growing quite fond of him. 
And I do hope that we get to see him play on Friday. It's not looking likely, especially with it being a Friday game. I think it might just be too soon. Um, but who knows? Like maybe we'll see him come off the bench or something on Friday, sort of introduce him to to Munster. But if not, I'm sure that um they'll play next week against Bayon, even though it seems weird to think that you would put a new signing straight in, in the Heineken Cup game. But as I say, it is literally Bayon. Yeah. It's it's the um yeah, it's Bayon. And and the Heineken Cup isn't what it used to be. So you know And if Munster if Munster somehow if somehow Munster somehow conspired to lose that game, I've always said that Bayon were a really great, difficult, tough team to play against. That's that's what I've been saying all evening. You just haven't listened to that. <laughs> I must have been on mute at the time. Uh so Friday it is Friday night, it is a short week. I hate the short weeks now that I'm actually working and have to race home to catch. I love them. when Munster play on a Friday. I work from home, so but yeah. uh, I love when Munster play on a Friday because it feels like a bonus treat. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, Munster are playing and it's still actually the week, and then you have the whole weekend with other things happening. It's so fun. Munster really does make our week, and it's a good thing. It's not weird. It's a good thing that Munster makes. <laughs> I would actually, make to be fair, I can't go to a game on a Friday. Um, and I would have probably gone to this one had it been on you know, Saturday or Sunday. Monster don't really play on Sunday that often. But like, had it been on, on Saturday, I would have, I probably would have gone to that because I do. Munster are a team who sort of have, sort of end up growing narratives quite easily, like quite organically. And I think that that's because of Munster and the sort of, the sort of club that they are. But, um, you know, the, the Munster-Leinster thing is different to the rest of them. It, it's sort of, it's there because it has to be there. Um, almost more than it's there because it sort of deserves to be. Uh, Munster Stormers is a really great sort of growing rivalry at the moment, but nothing hits like a Munster versus Glasgow fixture hits. And I'm really, really looking forward to, you know, Glasgow top of the URC at the moment. They beat Leinster. They're sort of flying high. Um, I cannot wait for them to get some manners put onto them. I'm really looking forward to it. As always, I don't really need to ask for predictions because I know which way you're going to end up going anyways. Last week was just the exception and I wasn't here for it. Um, I said but, I thought Munster were going to win last week as well. And I, and I was close. Yeah, you were close, to be fair. But usually, you, you'll say Munster lose in Dublin but win every other game of the season, including doing the double. And <laughs> until you're proven wrong, you're right. So, you know. Just, exactly. Just, just saying. The, the game is a sellout. As someone said as well, I don't know who said it to me, it feels like every game in Cork is a sellout. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's great to see. I feel like you could get another three or 4,000 into every game that takes place in Musgrave, including the under-20s, including the women's Six Nations. Um, and listen, Viva La Cork. And when we no, eventually be, move I'll, all our I'll games honest, to Cork. No one went to see the women's Six Nations because I was there and there was nobody there. Yeah, I mean, I mean the first year they went there, it's fine. <laughs> The second year, when it's France and England, and you know that it's going. But to there be are many, there are many reasons for that that are not Cork's fault. I will say. Sure, nothing is Cork's fault anyway. What are you saying? And look, I like, <laughs> I like, I like Cork. I think Cork is fine. Um, I like Thoman Park a lot. I really do. I love Thoman Park. I, I don't want to get into Cork Limerick politics. It's not something that I consider myself particularly well versed in or even really like well placed to speak on um as I say do you think that Limerick is well I don't think I know for a fact that Limerick is just easier to drive to from my house than Cork um so that's a big part of it for me but you know 
Cork is great. I love Cork. Cork's a nice little city and it's nice that they, they're playing a rugby game there on Friday. Yeah, it's it's nice to treat them. I'm going to shock a lot of people. I should clip this part. I, in my living lifetime, I've never been to Cork. and As opposed to your really dead my... lifetime. <laughs> well, I mean what I remember in, in recent memory. So never been to Cork and it doesn't bother me. So maybe if the, pe- the fine people at Cork want to get me a ticket for the Crusaders game and somewhere to stay that isn't like 300 quid. Do you uh, not have a ticket for the Crusaders game? No, but that's that's different reasons. That's nothing got to do with Cork. It's, it's the, I'm just not the, around that weekend. <laughs> the fuck kind of monster supporter are you? Kind who has his girlfriend's birthday that we get that same day. <laughs> and? Right, you can explain that. So when you buy literally the- does not seem relevant to me whatsoever. <laughs> you can buy me a ticket, so and and we'll see how we'll see how we get on from there. But this weekend in Cork, it is the Glasgow War. No, it's not Warriors. Glasgow Boo Boys is what we're going to call them for the duration of this show. Seven thirty. Boo Boys is so bad. Like that is poor. <laughs> so, but it's true. Like it's true. The fans would boo the train that passes. By. They do like the sound of their own voice only when that voice is booing literally <laughs> anything. Yeah. And as somebody who has been to their stadium, you know, I was there for let's not beat around the bush. Monster handed them their own arses in the URC quarterfinal in their own stadium earlier this year. Um, if I if if my team had that stadium, like I'd keep my mouth shut, to be honest. That's fair. It's live on TG Car. Um, or if you don't want to listen to Irish, it's live on Premier Sports and via Play Sports as well. And URC, you watched on TJ Cahar though, because TJ Cahar yeah. coverage is great. Yeah, it is. It actually, to be fair, it actually is. Even if you don't speak Irish, it is very good coverage. So, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Glasgow are top. Um, they beat Leinster, they beat Ulster, um, they lost to Connacht though, which is. Imagine beating Leinster and then losing to Connacht a week later. That's really fun. That's actually very Munster of them. Like it's very I brand. could see I could see Munster doing that in the in the Christmas Interpros, like that exact thing. Yeah. That's exact like they'll win on Stevens Day and then lose on New Year's Day against Connacht. Like I can j- literally just see it. A hundred percent. The flip side is Munster are in seventh, but it's not it's not bad. It's still better than last year. We're in like thirteenth at this point. No, but point it's one of, of those where like, you know. Second to seventh is like two points in it or something like that. Like yeah. it's not, they're in seventh, but there's a rake of teams all on the same amount of points. So we like, could win and not move, but we could also lose and not move because yeah, the like table is so tough. It's one of those where, you know, Glasgow will call it first against seventh because it makes them look high and mighty, but it's really kind of not that at all. It's like 4.2. First against What 4.2. it is, is... Glasgow having to come to the home of the defending reigning current URC best team in the world champions and did, did Dolphin win the URC? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the sort of holiday home of the reigning defending world best team URC champions. Um and that's like that will be a huge challenge for Glasgow. You know, Munster are not going to roll over Munster are not going to roll over to any team, but they're certainly not going to roll over in a home game and certainly not going to roll over in a Glasgow game. Um, and I'm I'm so excited for it. It is one of my favourite. It's one of the games that I look forward to and I was really looking forward to um, this game in the regular season last season. And then it was kind of shell-shocking. Didn't happen. In, it Didn't was, happen. It, 
it was really <laughs> shell shocking leaving Thoman Park that day after what happened. And I do think that obviously uh, Munster had the opportunity to put that right not too long afterwards when they went over there for the quarterfinal and I'll say again, handed Glasgow's arses to them in their own stadium. Um, but I do think that Munster, there will be an element of there's a point to prove here in terms of what happened the last time Glasgow came to Munster. Like that cannot and will not happen again. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I, I don't see it happen. I think there's always a state Munster Glasgow games are in that kind of echelon where there's always we owe them one. You could win 10 in a row against Glasgow or Glasgow could beat us 10 times in a row and you'd still feel like you owed the opposition one regardless. Yeah. And that yeah, is Yeah, like even pretty- though technically Munster Munster owed Glasgow one and they gave them that one when they handed their arses to them in their own stadium, but it was but it doesn't really matter. Like this is a new Munster Glasgow game. And look, Glasgow are a very, very good side. Like they're, I, I said on a, on another podcast at the start of the season, they're kind of like Leinster in, uh, Leinster and Ulster and Glasgow. I would all put in the same sort of category of they're really good regular season teams, but they're not, you know, you never really believe that they're going to win like a league or something. Cause they just track sort of, bullies is what you're calling them. Just sort of don't win knockout games with very good regular season teams. Um, but, they are a very good team and they're playing really well at the moment. I mean, they're not off the table by accident. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, even that it's a foregone conclusion or that this would be like a walkover win for Munster or anything like that. Um, But I do think that Munster will win their home game. Like it's kind of, it's kind of the bare minimum of what you want to see from any team. And it's sort of the bare minimum that teams will expect from themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. And Munster's record in, in Musgrave is really, really good as well. So you, you have that to kind of contend with, even that doesn't feel like the right word, but like it's it's a factor, you know, when Munster go there. Granted, they usually play like the Dragons or the Ospreys or the Lions. No, they usually or, play the like fucking that. Cardiff Blues and then they don't win. Like, and we beat them at home. We just lose every time we go to Cardiff. They're always the most... I know we're not talking about the Cardiff Blues this week, but like they're almost the most rattling games to watch because you're just like, why is it 39-37 to Cardiff right now with two minutes to go? Like, what is actually going on here on this day? Um, but I don't think that we'll see a game like that uh, this weekend on Friday night. Yeah, to be honest, not. I think it's going to be like 12-10. Yeah, and they'll just, well, you know, be slugging each other and a Glasgow player probably trying to kick a muzzle player in the future. Yeah. And the the Cork people they may feel like, oh, we got this big game, but it's in the month of November. Took took me a minute to realise what month we we're in actually. In the month of November. It's actually you, on the first of December. Sorry, yes, it is. That that doesn't count right now. It's November now. <laughs> but they also have the Crusaders game, so I actually don't feel too bad for them. But this is a huge matchup and I suppose I, I'm hoping that you've watched more Glasgow than I have. I've watched like a game and a half of theirs to be honest. Um this season. This this season, yeah. Mm. Uh what do you think what do you, do you think the first of all, do you think they'll rotate for this game or do you think they'll have an attitude of geez if we're top after round seven after playing the four Irish teams, 
We're going to be flying it. And Shafek, they're Scottish lads, can't be that tired because they didn't turn up for two World Cup games. <laughs> um, I think that, like, I think that they will fancy Europe this year um, because of how easy it is to sort of compete in Europe if you really sort of put your mind to it. Um, and, like, they played sort of late Saturday night. So, like, it's a short week for them too. It's not like, you know, if they'd had the Friday game and it was Friday and Friday and they had that sort of hard game against against Ulster. Um, I could see them rotating, but I think rotating in the way that Munster rotated for the Leinster game where your team is rotated, but you're not putting out a weakened team. Like, there are yeah, sometimes when teams rotate and they have truly just sent a group of random lads from the locality out to play. Like, I don't think that they will do that, but I could imagine that it won't be the same team, say, that plays in their first European game next weekend. But I don't really think that that will make much of a difference. Um, I think that Munster will rotate in, you know, the likes of Nankavell, I think, will play. And I think that Adagbo will probably play again. And guys like that but I I think that this will be two strong teams going at it like regardless of selection regardless of rotation anything else even if Munster picked the same team that played last weekend I think that this will be two strong selections going out to to win and kind of to be honest to put a dig in on the guy opposite you because it's a Munster versus Glasgow game and there is always going to be a bit of that Yeah, and you know if I was a Munster player I would be sort of minding my head more than anything else I mean, that was a huge factor the last game. They went high way too often. For the sake of the 0.02% of journalistic integrity that we have in this podcast, I did look up their fixtures just there. They've they've Northampton followed by Bayon after this. Northampton at home. Like, they should be winning those two games. So if you do feel worried about playing Northampton and Bayon, do rotate this week. It's fine. We'll have a little throw. We'll throw the ball around. We'll keep warm. We'll, you know... There might be a nice burger and chip available in 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 and around the area. I've never been to Musgrave. I'm actually this is not a good chance to be trying to come up with ideas. You're but, trying to do a Cork thing, but you literally said that you've never been to Cork, so like it's kind of just yeah, falling a bit not, flat. It's not working. I kind of forgot it was in Thomond for a minute, to be honest. And I was going to go. Do it you is. Know, do you know who does a good park? It is a Thomond Park fixture. Like oh, it is. Yeah, I. I I don't mean to be again disrespectful to Cork, but um, that is like when I would think of like sort of banker Thoman Park games because it's one of the biggest fixtures of the season I think from a monster point of view. Um, so like great that it's in Cork, but it is sort of in 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 your mind it sort of defaults as a Thoman Park game. But I do think that I do think that we'll see a monster win. Like that's you know. It's an important game, and I think especially like in the context of the loss last week, I think that Munster will be going out there to win this game. Like they want to end this URC block on a high. It's already so clogged in the middle of that table that you like Munster will know that they cannot let a home game go by without a win. Like there's not going to be many home games, you know, left this season really, but they will know with how tight this league already is that they can't let one go without a win and I just don't think they will. Sure. Look, it's a, it's a Scottish team. 
Um, if, if you really, if you want to go down that route, it's a Scottish team. Like it's a, a game that matters. You should win. But I, I do agree that there's kind of an air of kind of round six and seven from last year as well. Coincidentally, where if you lose, it's it's not that bad. It's a tough fixture. It's a side who are doing well at the time. You know, if you lose, okay, fair enough. Like you've loads of time to pick back up. But if you win this game, as we mentioned a few minutes ago. They could move up the table and then you got your two interpros and then after that it's a much nicer fixture list. So there's a very good chance that you win this game and it comes crucial. And then there's the fact that, you know, head to head could have been a big thing last year. Like if I think if Glasgow had lost to Connacht, they would have finished in the same amount of points and Munster would have missed out and had obviously they had to go to Glasgow anyway. They would have missed out by virtue of winning less games. So yeah. This this is where these kind of games matter, and it's only an eight, eight it's eighteen game regular season, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, obviously, these things are kind of these kind of fixtures are worth double than whether or not you put forty or fifty points on on Zebra or the Scarlets or whoever you know, whoever it might be. What do you, what do you think we'll see? You usually will say monster. But- <laughs> How do you see the game unfolding and and how do you think they'll do this week? I mean, I think that what we've seen from Munster sort of over the last, you know, season and whatever percentage of this season we're in, in the in the round tree era, I suppose, because we're still sort of new the, enough the, into that that, that makes the round sense. Roundtree Prendergast Kiriaki <laughs> era to give us proper title. Thank you very much. Oh my god, it's it's the Prendergast era. Munster and Leinster are both in the Prendergast era. That's so exciting. That's such, cohesion be- that's such cohesion between the provinces. It's unbelievable. Wait, yeah, poor Ulster need to get themselves a friend. <laughs> um, what, we're, what we're seeing is sort of this, and what a huge part of last season was this commitment to the opposition doesn't matter, the weather doesn't matter, the game doesn't matter, you know, the pitch doesn't matter. We will play how we are going to play. So it, and you know we saw that last week. We've we've seen that consistently, even when it wasn't working. And I, so I do think that we will see Munster continue on the trajectory that they're on. Um, I would like to see the breakdown continue to improve. I thought it was better last week. Um, than it than it has been at the start of the season, and I think that it can continue on that trajectory. Um, I do think that this will be like a. I know I said I think it would be like 12-10. I could see it being like that. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like, to be honest. Like, I'm not a fucking cold. meteorologist. But It'd yeah, cold. cold is fine, but like dry is different, obviously. Um, I do think that it has the potential to be a high-scoring game. Munster and Glasgow are both try-scoring teams. And I think that the quarterfinal being that sort of relatively low-scoring game was kind of surprising almost. Like, that was that's the quarterfinal where Munster handed Glasgow's arses to them in their own stadium. Um, I well, don't. I, I missed that again. Sorry, I, I don't <laughs> know why the like he's dropping out when you say that. <laughs> what, like what, I feel what? like that was the anomaly in in these games. Like the, yeah. there is a potential for this to sort of be kind of similar to remember when Munster played the Scarlets in Musgrave last season and Munster just scored a rake tries in the first oh, half and Scarlets scored a rake tries in the second that half. Game again. Um, I think it has the potential to be a bit like that. I would like to think that Munster's defence would be better for the entire game than it was um, for the second half of that game. But 
yeah I, I I'm kind of in two minds like it, it I know it's like it'll either be one way or the other sounds really stupid but I do think it'll either be like almost like barbarians versus barbarians or it'll be like you know we're going for three and then they're going for three and then we're going for three and then they're going for three um so I and, and no I think it could round. end up you know if the weather turns it could end up being one of those games where you're like okay we need the set piece to be better than it has been I thought the line out was much improved against Leinster we need to see the line out not go back to going to shit because that's what it has been for the season so far um if Ollie Yeager is playing great if he's not you know John Ryan's got this I love John Ryan um that's I've made no secret of that I, I won't apologize for it either but I just I would like to see a performance sort of on the same lines as the one from last week. Yeah. I think that that performance, it will be good enough to win this game. And I think that um, that's what we want to see. Like we want to see Munster build on the performances from the week before and not have this sort of zigzag up and down type of season. And I don't think that that's what they have done the season so far, but the things like more things seem to be clicking last week. And you'd like to see that sort of carry on that be built on. And this team has always made these constant progression points. You know, they've they've always seemed to go upwards. And yes, there's been poor performances that have been a step back, like the Ulster game, like the Leinster game in preseason, this corresponding fixture last year um, in Thomond Park, which didn't happen. I was not there, and I was not dejected heading back to heading back to my college apartment that evening. Didn't happen. But, oh, having to go to a college apartment afterwards. Can I ask where the apartment was? Were you on campus in UL? No, off campus, Brookfield. Oh, that's even worse. Oh my god! If I, had I was to go the back only to one there as well. The two if I had to go back, home. if I had to go back to Brookfield after that game, like I'm not even going to say what I would have done on air because that is actually bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I liked it, but maybe the being alone actually helped because I was not in the mood for talking. It was it was one of those games. Um, Anyway, I don't even know what game you're talking about, like, to be honest. The, the only the Munster Glasgow, Glasgow game, game last year that definitely didn't happen. The only game where Glasgow played Munster that I remember is when Munster handed Glasgow's arses to them in their own stadium. But um, I think that, I don't think that Munster necessarily will hand Glasgow's arses to them on Friday in Munster's own stadium in Musgrave Park and Cork. But I do think that um, we'll see a Munster win. Narrow. I could see, like it. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying it'll be a blowout or anything. Like I'd say that Glasgow will probably get a losing bonus point. Like I think it'll be a close game. Like these are two very good teams going at it. Kind of similar to Munster's games over the last two weeks, where you know they played last season's um, runners up, and then they played Leinster, and they're playing Glasgow, who are top of the table. Like that's a big run of games against big teams, and I think getting two wins from three out of that run is, and a losing bonus point in the third is really good return actually going into the sort of the break in the URC I think that they'd be really happy with that absolutely and I can't help but shake the feeling that this will be a nip and tuck tight game as well like Munster are the only team in the URC to six games who've conceded less than 100 points which considering they've played Leinster the Stormers Ulster Benetton and the Sharks we also I mean, the Sharks are shite like but yeah I mean the Sharks can attack, though. That's the that's like the one thing they can do. Consider yeah, with federal teams and have, I don't know what the average is, is like 15 points a game conceded or something like that, is really, really solid. Um, yeah. and I think that's something we should rely upon. I actually think 
and people might say this isn't true, but I feel like we've just had an elite defense for the last eight years because we had Nina Bar, then we had JP Ferrer. Sorry, we had who was before Nina Bar? I actually can't remember. Um, I can't remember who was before Nina Bar. Anyways, uh, we had Nina Bar, we had JP Ferreira, and now we've Dennis Leamy, and our defense has just been such a strong point. I think Glasgow, with the style of rugby that they play as well, like they're like us, they're going to just keep doing what they do. Even if it's not working, they're going to keep trying. They're going to stay on scheme. We need to be alert. We need to cut out the silly fucking penalties that we've seen last week as well. There was a couple of needless ones that we didn't need to give away. Cut that out. Keep it clean. Defend well. And to be honest, I think that could be enough. Be interesting to see selection-wise what way we go. But I mean... By the time most people listen to this, the team will have already been named. So I just don't want to talk about selection because I'm guaranteed to be wrong. But oh, I forgot that we'll have a Thursday team sheet because it's a Friday Thursday, game. That's her, so exciting. Thursday team, team shit is always good to see. I wonder what kind of noise I can make on a work call when I see the team sheet for this game. I always uh, have to try and, you know, you always have to try and aim to improve and sort of um, up yourself in the workplace. So that's going to be my aim going forward. Well, don't shout, shout out team sheet anyways. I think that would be a good start. <laughs> but I'll shout out whatever to. I please. Yeah, I just learned to take my lunch break at the time that the team sheets are being announced. So that gives me 15 minutes to just stare at it and just analyze it and just write a two word tweet about one player is there. And then that's just me done. <laughs> I yeah. was on I was on a work call once and I was facilitating a board and one of the board members asked it was a Friday and he asked, oh, like, any, have, you, have you anything planned for the weekend? And I'd only met him, not met, like, we we're, like, online, but I'd only um started working with him, I think, that day or the day before. So I think, like, all he really knew about me was that I was from Wexford. Like, there was no sort of, we hadn't spoken about, like, rugby or anything like that. He said, oh, are you doing anything for the weekend? And I said, oh, yeah, I am, actually. I'm I'm heading to Glasgow for the weekend, like, just a little trip or whatever. And straight away, he went, are you going for the match? And I was like, yes, here we go. We are doing no more work today. Yes, I am going for the match. What do you think about the team selection? That's that's not a bad idea. I had a lad actually today, ironically, say it to me. He was like, yeah, you're Kalon, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And he actually sits behind me in the office so he can see my desk. And my yeah. desktop screen, I have two screens. It's the same screensaver. It's Monsterlift, the URC trophy. And he's like, Oh yeah, you're into the rugby. I see your screensaver, your monster one, and I'm like, "Fuck!" And he's like, "Ah, yeah, no, it's fine. I, I, I you know, he plays it, but like, he's not, you know, like a, a Dermot Leinster fan. He's not like a, yeah. an annoying Connacht fan. So like, sound. Um, so that maybe maybe everyone just loves Monster, apart from the 23 Glasgow players that take to the field on Friday. Almost got that wrong. It's Friday. And 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 to be honest, I bet some of them secretly love Monster as well. They probably do. To be I honest. know that they do. That you know, hatred comes from jealousy, and Glasgow are jealous of Munster. We're not jealous because, of Glasgow, but but I don't hate Glasgow because I don't care about them enough to hate them. Fair point. I I I won't comment because I look like an asshole if I comment now about whether or not I hate Glasgow. I'm going to say Munster to win by. Probably a similar margin to last week. About 37 points. points. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to say a 37 point win, which are you going to go maybe 36 or maybe like six points? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I I, mean, I did say that I thought Glasgow would go away with a losing bonus point. So, 
bet- monster to win between by between one and seven points. Yeah, I, I I don't think that's a that's a bad going for either side. Like again, if they want to just do an arrangement when uh, the the best haired captain in the URC, Jimmy Barron, does the coin toss with whoever the Glasgow captain ends, and just say, right, will we take this? I'd be all for it, you know. Just, just do it that. I way. mean, the thing is, like Munster getting a home win against the top, the current top side in in the league, like that's, you know, sort of what you would be wanting your sort of opening yeah. run to end with. That's what you sort of want to round that that sort of run of games out with. And Glasgow going away to the defending champions and coming out with a losing bonus point, like I'd say, that they'd be happy with that too. Um. So yeah, like that's that's how I see it going. I mean, that's probably because I kind of just can't countenance losing to Glasgow, especially not at home, not 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 again. But um, I do think like it's not. I don't just say that I think Munster are going to win, like just to say it. Like I do think that they're going to win. Yeah, I agree. I think Munster. I don't even think there'd be a, a try bonus point in this game. I think it'd be twenty to fifteen kind of game again, and. Mm you'll be up at the edge of your seat as as the clock narrows down towards the end because that's just the monster way. <laughs> if there's a hard way to do things, that's the monster way to do things. Patricia, yep. thank you very much for, for joining us this evening and to everyone for listening. You'll be back next week, hopefully, to look ahead to the Bayon game. That's if you're interested. It's only Bayon. Like, it's fine. Um, kind of That kind of sounded like you weren't going to invite me back. Oh, there you go. I, they sounded like you were like pending performance review. You'll be back next week. But um, no, yeah, I, I just I'll, won't I'll be, be here, here I, next week. Probably. That's how little I care about Bayon. I won't be. I won't be <laughs> in the country. <laughs> no, we have the start of the Heineken Cup, H Cup, European Cup, ERC, Heineken Cup, EPCR, BT, Champions Cup, Investec, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. It's not what it used to be. That's all we know. And Munster against Bayon. That's coming what, 10 days from now? I can't believe that means I'll have to actually research like who plays for Bayon and like what they are. That's upsetting. Is Cami Lopez with them? I'll get you a head start there. I think he is. I think it's Maxine Mashno and Cami Lopez. Somebody said that there recently and I laughed my whole off. <laughs> Just go back to 2014 and that's... <laughs> Pretty much. That's that's what Bayon Anyway, are. that's for next week. This week, Munster are going to hand Glasgow's arts to them in most great part. And not for the first time in 2023. No. That's that's the important bit. Thanks very much, Trisha. A lot of fun as always, and to everyone at home. Hope you enjoyed um, hearing about Glasgow arses quite quite a few times, quite a few times at this stage. <laughs> um, again, if you want to be with us every step of the way this season, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you really like us, tell your monster supporting friends. Um, they not necessarily like Glasgow arses or Magic Mike XXL. But they might like Monster enough to to want to listen to want to listen. If to they it. don't like Magic Mike XXL, they shouldn't be here. Don't don't listen to that, folks. <laughs> it's late. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion on movies. JJ, <laughs> thank you. I will chat to you all in whenever I'm back. When if I care, when is it Northampton after Bayon? You're asking me questions that I don't know the answer to. No, it's Exeter. Um, no, it's, it's I Exeter. I care about Exeter. I don't care about Northampton. So. My my attendance might be spotty. Patricia. Kaylon will show up whenever he gives a shit. Um yeah. and I'll learn and I promise I'll learn who plays for Bayon in the interim. And you know, that's it. That's if you give a shit by next week. We mightn't. That's just the reality of it. Like I always give a shit when monster are involved. 
Yeah, but Bayon. We, anyways, we've been over this. We don't give a shit about Bayon. We give a shit about Monster. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back hopefully next week. And until then, until next time, take it easy. <laughs>